somebody said, we got some different folks wearing different hats. And that happens sometime. And the Lord is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for that truth. We read in Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. Father, You know us better than we know ourselves, and we are here in Your presence, and for that we give You thanks. And thank You, Father, for Your ancient words revealed to us in Scripture the written word that points us to the living word, Jesus, who became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as we come in his name, we ask, O Lord, as you did for your disciples centuries ago, we pray you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my part-time jobs in seminary a long time ago was an assistant to a pharmacist. And one of my jobs was to run errands. And if we were out of a particular medication, he would send me to another local pharmacy and we would pick up what we needed and I would go back so we would have it available for those who needed it. One day I was doing that kind of an errand And I went to pick up some meds, and there was a lady in line in front of me. And she said something that day to the pharmacist that was so striking, I had to go back and write it down so I wouldn't forget it. And um, this is what she said to the pharmacist. She said, give me something to keep me going, something to put me to sleep, something to take away the headache, and something to take away the dark clouds. And I thought about that. I said, well, that's, that's pretty striking. And I said, that would probably be used in a sermon someday. So I wrote it down. <laughs> and I thought about it a little bit later. And though she was joking somewhat with the pharmacist, I think there was some seriousness to what she was saying, too. The pharmacist could probably have given her something for the first three requests. But he couldn't give her anything to take away the dark clouds. And sometimes we have dark clouds, and we can't take them away. And one thing I love about the book of 1 Peter is that Peter was writing to Christians who were going through dark clouds, and there was nothing they could do to take them away. But there were things they could do by God's grace to respond to them. I can imagine that at times these folks felt confused, discouraged because of what they were going through. And Peter writes to encourage them to stand firm in the true grace of God. And he does that, first of all, by reminding them of who they are in chapter 1. And I wanted to list some things that Peter refers to in, in the first part of this book. He reminds them that they have a new identity. He refers to them as elect exiles. An interesting title, isn't it? And he goes on to say, Chosen by God. God has chosen you. They are now the children of Abraham. In verse 3, he reminds them that they have a new life and they have a new hope. 
God has caused them to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in verse 4, he reminds them they have a new wealth. Think about what he says in verse 4. He says, you've been born again to a, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And then he goes on and says, who are kept by the power of God. God is keeping you for what he's keeping for you in heaven. And he says, you are being kept through faith. God was keeping them for what God had in store for them. And then he says, you've got a new sense of destiny. He says, you are being kept for a salvation that's ready to be revealed. That salvation is not completed yet, but it's ready to be revealed. And then he goes on and says something that may not seem so positive at first. He says, you've got a new set of trials because you're Christians. They were being persecuted. They were going through trials and difficulties. And throughout the book of 1 Peter, you see that Peter talks about these trials, these sufferings that believers have. But he also reminds them that they have a new perspective on suffering. And I want to, to read these verses together that help us to see that in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Can I get you to read these two verses with me? We'll begin reading. You can see them choir. If you can't see them up here, they're on the back screen there. That's what I'm reading. So let's read them together. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that that perishes, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I went to a wedding yesterday, Carrie Johnson's wedding. It was beautiful. Seth was, uh, took part in the wedding. And uh, the other speaker at the wedding made a reference to something that I said, I've got I've to share this with the folks because it fit in so well with some of the things I want, want to say. And he was talking about marriage. And he said these simple words, the gospel changes everything. And that's so true. When a person really believes the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. New life, new hope, new wealth, new security, new sense of destiny, new set of problems, but a new perspective on suffering. I think it's important for us as Christians periodically to remind ourselves that Christians are not exempt from the trials and difficulties and pressures that everybody in life may face from time to time, such as breaking a bone or having cancer or natural disasters or family pressures or financial difficulties or emotional struggles, or, or mental challenges, and on and on and on the list could go. Believers are not, are not exempt from these kinds of challenges. We are all broken people in a broken world. But in addition to these problems that are common to everybody, in a sense, believers have a new set of problems and pressures. Persecution for faith in Jesus 
being marginalized because you're a Christian, being mistreated because you're a Christian. And to me, this is getting to be more and more prevalent in our culture. And I think First Peter and passages like these are going to be more and more important for us to dig into as believers. There are other countries that have been experiencing persecution, marginalization, mistreatment for, for decades, some to the point of martyrdom. The 20th century saw more martyrs of Christians than any time in church history. But of course, here in the United States, that's not been the case. But things seem to be changing in terms of the culture's view of faith in Jesus Christ. Peter gives us words of encouragement and words of instruction as to how to respond to pressures, trials, challenges that confront the child of God and even persecution and maybe even just being made fun of or ridiculed because of your faith. And I want us to look at some other verses here in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the fifth chapter. If you're following in your Bible, flip over there, and we're going to read verses 6 through 11. And I want to read these verses uh, responsively. I'll start with verse 6 and ask you to read responsively with me. Chapter 5, I'll begin with verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think we see in these verses four responses that the Lord calls upon his children to have when they're going through dark clouds of trials. I want to mention all four of them, and then I want to come back and just camp out on one of them. But let me mention them. First of all, verses 6 and 7, recognize the hand of God. Verse 8, remember you have an adversary. Verse 9, resist that adversary. And then verses 10 and 11, rest your utmost confidence in the God of all grace. This morning, I want to focus on that first one, the importance of recognizing the hand of God. Uh, let me back up here and look at this reference to the two verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One of the things that strikes me about these two verses is what Peter does not say to Christians who are suffering. Look at what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, humble yourselves <clears throat> under the circumstances. 
He doesn't say, humble yourselves until things get better. He doesn't say, humble yourselves until those difficult people are out of your life. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He draws it back to the Lord, and we are immediately reminded of the sovereign control of God in all of life's circumstances, including our own. Whatever happens, happens under his mighty hand. What does it mean to recognize the hand of God? Carolina Sandel Berg said this in the last verse that we sang, Help me then in every tribulation so to trust your promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within your holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. She said, help me, Lord, to take them as from a father's hand. I love that reference in that song. I think there are three things that are involved in recognizing the hand of God and whatever he's bringing into our lives. First of all, by submitting to him, by submitting to the Lord. When it says in verse 6, humble yourselves, it's in the passive voice, so literally we could read it this way, be humbled or allow yourself to be humbled. Somebody else is doing something in our lives that gives us an opportunity to be humbled. So Peter says, be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Peter is focusing on how people respond to the trials of life. And as we look at these verses in this context, I think we see the need for this kind of submission. And I want you to back up and look at verse 5 because verse 6 says, humble yourselves therefore. And you know, when you have the word therefore, you're supposed to look and see what it's there for. So he says, humble yourselves therefore. And this is the reason he said therefore. Look at verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to whom? To the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Peter says, allow yourself to be humbled under God's mighty hand. It's like Peter is singling out pride. Uh, God is singling out pride as his grand enemy, and he sets himself in battle against it. And when God opposes something, guess who wins? God does. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, allow yourself to be humble. When someone allows himself or herself to be humbled under the mighty hand of God, that person has the opportunity to discover new depths and new riches of God's amazing grace. So there's the need to submit, to be humbled. But it's also reasonable because he says under the he doesn't say under just the hand of God, but he says under the mighty hand of God. God's hand is mighty. God's hand is powerful. 
God's hand is strong. It's the hand of God that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's the hand of God that led them through the wilderness, feeding them, giving them water, providing for them. It's the hand of God that took them into the promised land and defeated their enemies. And one guy said, the sovereign hand of God not only redeems, but also controls the process of our spiritual education. It's reasonable to submit to his hand. And then the Lord gives us opportunities to be humbled under his mighty hand. You know, I think Peter develops this, and I want, to, want you to look with me in the book of Free, Peter, because I think there are two kinds of opportunities that Peter mentions that are opportunities for us to submit and to recognize the hand of Lord. First of all, in relationships of submission. And I want to surf through 1 Peter just a little bit with you because it's, it's a theme. Look at chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And he goes on and say, Whether it be the emperor who's supreme or to governors who are sent by the, by the emperor to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He's talking about government. And Peter says, Be in submission. By the way, Peter knew what it meant to be thrown in jail by the government. It happened to him in the book of Acts. There's another reference to this submission in in Peter chapter 2. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And then look what he says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Sometimes Christians suffer under governments. Sometimes in Peter's day, servants suffered under unreasonable masters. Peter says, be in subjection, be in submission. There's another reference to submission in chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Sometimes wives in Peter's day and even in our day suffered at the hands of unbelieving husbands. And then back in chapter 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. One of the opportunities to recognize the hand of God is in our relationships that God puts us in here on planet Earth. God has put us there for a reason. And in that situation, we can experience His grace that is poured out on those who are humbled under His mighty hand. Another opportunity for submission is simply that of circumstances of suffering, and that's a theme throughout Peter. And I want to look at four passages again. We read these verses earlier. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, as was necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then chapter 3, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer, For righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Then in chapter 4, 
Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. And then back to chapter 5, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes it's in circumstances of suffering that God's children go through a humbling process. Where are you this morning? You've got relationships, but you've also got circumstances in your life. And it's important by God's grace that we learn to submit under His mighty hand. But also there's something else I think we see in these two verses. We recognize God's hand by submitting in our relationships and in our circumstances, submitting to the Lord, but also waiting upon the Lord. Look at the last part of verse 6. So that at the proper time, He may exalt you. I love these words. The words proper time, these two words, they translate one Greek word that refers to fitting situations that are characterized by suitable circumstances. A proper time for something to be done. Uh, And here he says, Be humbled under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, the fitting time, and if I could by application say at the right time, the Lord may exalt you. And when it says that the Lord may exalt you, we may not always know what that exaltation is going to involve in this life. Now, there are some things we do know. The Lord has promised His presence with us in this life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Claim that promise. The Lord has also promised a home in heaven where we will eternally be with Him. No more tears, no more trials, no more troubles, no more pain, no more hangnails even. But in this life, in the meantime, we don't always know how the Lord may exalt us in due time when we're going through a hard time. So we're called upon the weight, upon the Lord. It reminds me of somebody in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph? Remember his life and how he went down, down, down in his experience? It's, uh, there's a quick review in Psalm 105. Look at these verses. I've got them on the screen if you want to follow with me. Uh, God sent a man ahead of them, Joseph who was sold as a slave. Remember, his brothers did that. His feet were, put in, were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Can you imagine some of the things that Joseph thought about his relationship with his brothers? And then he was falsely accused and thrown in prison And it was just down, down, down from there. I can't imagine 
what he thought. But I love what he said to his brothers years later, in hindsight, when his brothers were scared to death as to what Joseph might do to them. Joseph said these words to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph didn't know God's timetable. But as he waited, in due time, at the proper time, God exalted him. And put him in a place where God wanted him. And where God mightily used him. Sometimes when things are going rough, it's very mystifying. It's very confusing. And we're tempted to say, Lord, why did you bring this into my life? And the Lord calls upon us to submit under His mighty hand, to wait, and to focus on His timing, His activity, and His purposes. A friend of mine gave me a copy of a poem that he found in a church up in Waterbury, Connecticut, and... Uh, that expresses something of the sometimes perplexing process of waiting upon the Lord, but also expresses a hindsight testimony to the Lord's goodness in that process, kind of like what Joseph went through. And this is the poem. The person wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I'd hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, am most richly blessed. That's kind of communicating the mystifying process of going through it, and then the hindsight testimony of seeing what God did at the right time, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. There's an old catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism, and answer 26 I love in this catechism, and it says, In God I trust, and doubt not that even all the troubles which he sends to me in this veil of tears, he will turn to my good. I got one better than that one, though. And you know it by heart. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And this leads to a final thing I want to mention about recognizing the hand of God. I think it's important to submit to the Lord. Where does the Lord have you? Is He calling upon you to be humbled? under His mighty hand so that you can experience grace, waiting upon the Lord, and then trusting in the Lord.
Look at verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Don't you love that word anxieties? Fun to say, but not fun to experience. And the word refers to things that distract and divide our minds. And they disturb our peace. And they put us in kind of a condition of being pulled apart. So we got to do something with them. Peter says, casting all your anxieties on Him. Can I be personal and just ask you, can you trust Him with all of them? And cast them all? They may involve past memories, present difficulties, future fears. Casting, he doesn't say the big ones, he says all of them. Casting them all on Him. I love the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything. Everything. And uh, it may call for a kind of a long prayer session to, to do all of them. Well, that's good. Go through the list. But he gives us the reason. Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. And these five words can literally be translated, it matters to him concerning you. Do you believe that? That it matters to the creator concerning you? We could read it this way. It's also in the present tense. He goes on, it goes on continually mattering to him concerning you. All the time, it matters to him concerning you. God has a continual, ongoing, personal interest and concern for all of his children. And somebody wrote it this way. We are not left adrift on the sea of chance, facing shipwreck on the shoals of an impersonal destiny. We are under the care of of a sovereign God who controls the course of history and is intricately involved in the everyday life of each of his children. Peter learned this by experience. I like to think about what we know of Peter in the Gospels with what Peter writes in his letters. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus gave Peter a great catch of fish. Remember that over in Luke 5? Peter helped Excuse me, Jesus helped Peter pay his temple tax. Remember how he did it? Peter, go catch a fish and take a coin out of his mouth. Jesus helped Peter walk on water. Jesus repaired the damaged ear of Malchus that Peter cut off in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. How do you say it? Gethsemane. Peter cut off his ear trying to protect the Lord and the Lord healed that ear. And then the Lord delivered Peter out of prison. So Peter could say and Peter could write with confidence, it matters to him concerning you. I experienced it. A distinctive of Christianity is the simple and wonderful truth that God cares and that we do not have to coerce him to care by sacrifice, by works of our righteousness, or by anything that we can do or say. He already cares.
cares. There's nothing you can do to make him care more, nothing you can do to make him care less. And so Peter says, be humbled under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Graham Eikens in his uh, book on suffering said that people can respond to problems in one of three ways. We can break down in agony, we can break out in anger, or we can break through in adoration. Most of you here this morning have seen yourself in all three. You see all three in the book of Psalms. Sometimes he's breaking down in agony. Sometimes he's breaking out in anger. Praise God, many times he's breaking out in adoration and saying, Thank you, Lord, because you've done it again. Trials have a different effect on different people. Some people get hard and bitter. But others are humbled under God's mighty hand and experience new depths of God's amazing, sufficient grace. May the Lord enable you and me today to recognize His hand by submitting, waiting, and then trusting. One man who learned to trust and who was humbled under the mighty hand of God was John Newton. And he wrote the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. One of the verses says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe this far, and grace is going to lead me home. And that's another emphasis of 1 Peter, and that's another promise for his people today. Let's sing it together. It's number 202. It's a short hymn. I want us to sing all of the verses. You do what the Lord has laid upon your heart. Maybe he wants you to get together with him and cast some of those anxieties upon him today. If you have spoken with the pastor, the Lord has laid upon your heart to link your lives with us at Wake Chapel Church. We welcome you to come. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Would you stand with me, please? Let us pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for time again to come into your house and to worship you, to praise you, to meet together, to encourage one another. Thank you for those uh, that you've brought to join with us today. We thank you for, uh, for that and for them, and, and thank you for all that you do. Uh, help us to remember to be humble, um, to cast all on you. Help us to remember, although it's difficult to submit to you and to wait, um, to break out in admiration, to wait until we can rejoice and exalt with you. We thank you for that. Uh, we want to pray for, for us. We want to pray for those um, who do your work. Uh, we want to pray for those of us that go out um, as we exit these doors and enter the mission field that you will have us be a great example of you and your love. Um, we pray for those that we support. Uh, we pray in particular this week for Friends of Israel, uh, a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah, fostering solidarity with Jewish people. We pray for their needs um, and the great work that they do for you. To those who have been called 
by God who live in the love of God and Father and protection of Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be yours in full measure. But you, my friends, keep on building yourselves up on the most sacred faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to bring you faultless and joyful before his glorious presence, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, might, and authority from all ages past, and now and forever and ever. Amen.